1: President Biden, I'd like to ask you, three consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes.
2: The answer is yes, number one. No more subsidies for fossil fuel industry, no more drilling on federal lands, no more drilling including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill. Period. Ends. I've been against Keystone from the beginning. Putin's war is already
3: hurting American families at the gas pump. The reason why the price of gas is going up is not because of steps the president has taken. They are because President Putin is invading Ukraine.
4: Uh, Egregious activities of Vladimir Putin.
1: Um, Even if we drilled as much as we could uh the price of oil is
5: still set globally there is no amount of domestic production that we can do
2: i've used every tool available to address price increases and it's beginning to work take gasoline and gas prices last week i announced the largest ever release from the united states strategic petroleum reserve we've seen oil and gas prices out of the wells oil and gas prices on the wholesale market come down significantly. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period, ends. Using a straw to eating a burger, am I part of the problem? And in a certain
5: way,
6: yes, but the most exciting thing is that we can all be part of the solutions. Uh, families that once they own that electric vehicle will never have to worry about gas prices again.
7: I mean, I drive a Chevy Bolt, which is an
4: electric vehicle. I don't have to buy gasoline. I have solar panels on my house, so I drive on Sunshine.
2: Putin's war. Because President Putin is Vladimir
5: Putin. There's no amount of domestic production we can do.
2: Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill. Period. Ends. And again, that's why we have resolved to speed our transition towards. And it will make America a world leader, manufacturing and exporting clean energy technologies of the future to countries all around the world. This is the goal we should be racing toward. A big reason for inflation is Vladimir Putin. From the moment he put his over 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, the price of gasoline in January went up 75 cents. And Putin began amassing troops along the border. And guess what? The world took notice. And those who work in the business know that the market anticipated. Prices went up more. Then Putin invaded. Make no mistake, inflation is largely the fault of Putin. I love, you know, the Republic saying it's Biden's gas pipeline. By Bi- 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 Biden said he's going to stop the Keystone pop- pipeline, and I did. And that's the reason prices went up. Folks, let's get something straight here. The Keystone pipeline was two years away, and it had been 2% finished. Give me a break. Give me a break. going to go up. <laughs> Can't do much right now. Russia's responsible.
3: Go ahead.
8: Thank you. Why did you guys decide to rebrand the rise in gas prices as the hashtag Putin price hike?
3: I mean, if you want to use that on Fox, I welcome that. But... Oh,
8: I think it'll get a lot of airtime because we have heard the president warn for months the gas prices were rising because of the supply chain and because of post pandemic demand. If you guys knew for months that this was going to be the hashtag Putin price hike, why aren't we just hearing that now?
3: Well, Peter, if we go back to six months ago, I don't think anybody was predicting we would be exactly where we are as it relates to Russia and Ukraine. As you know, that events in the world, including the invasion by Russia of a foreign country, does uh, prompt uh, instability and volatility in the global oil markets. And there are all sorts of different issues that can impact that. That's what we're seeing now. Outside economists and analysts have conveyed and said publicly that Russia's invasion Russia's buildup of troops, President Putin's decision to do that very early this year led to a lot of the instability and volatility in the oil markets. You don't have to take my word for it. So therefore, if President Putin's buildup of military troops is leading. It's a potent
9: one, but I really do think in talking to members of Congress, that they now see the politics right now, and it may not last, that the American people are behind this and more likely are willing to take a, a hit at the pump. I don't think it's been sold adequately. Uh, well, if it, it means not bringing war here, right? Like, that's another way to message us, I might argue. Yeah, and Putin's price hike is a great way to message it. The pictures are just so devastating, the children. People are uh, want to know where can we help, you know, and we're trying to put pages up and tell people we're the credible sources of help for the refugees. Two million people on the move. We haven't seen anything like this since World War II. The hospital in Maripol, the maternity ward, bombed today, hit the artillery fire, I should say, rocket fire. And in Kiev, the hospital evacuated the, the largest children's hospital. So I think that seeing these faces, I think people are willing to put up with it. That is what at least the Democrats in Congress think. Right. I really thought that the Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, was maybe premature in his new messaging, that people aren't blaming President Biden for this mm. um, yet. Uh, has uh, managed, At least through the state of the...
10: A new inflation report from the federal government today shows the consumer price index up 7.9% over the last year. That's an increase that we have not seen in 40 years since January of 1982. Prices for
11: food and housing up dramatically, not to mention record high energy costs, which have only gone up since Russia invaded Ukraine. President Biden blames Putin, saying, quote, Today's inflation report is a reminder that Americans' budgets are being stretched by price increases and families are starting to feel the impacts of Putin's price hike. A large contributor to inflation this month was an increase in gas and energy prices as markets reacted to Putin's aggressive actions. CNN global economic analyst Rana Bluhar joins us now. Rana, great to have you here. Okay, so as you probably know, many politicians act as though it's President Biden who caused inflation (laughs) and that he can fix this. Can he do something about it? Well, he can do things at the margins. You know, he can release some of the strategic petroleum reserves, which he's already called for. Um, You know, he can probably um, try and get bipartisan agreement for more drilling. That's that's something that's on the table. But no, I mean, you know, (laughs) he did not cause the war, which caused prices to surge. Now, inflation was already rising, for sure. We had supply chain issues. Some of that was actually because of good news, meaning a really strong recovery, stronger than people would have expected following that um, that latest wave of COVID. But gas and oil is going to be up because of this war. I mean, there is no question. And grain, too. Ukraine and Russia um, have the, uh, a quarter of the world's grain reserves
10: so when the president says and the white house doubled down jen saki says that mm. uh inflation gas prices are in large part uh due to putin's war yep. there is some credence to that
11: hundred percent no you saw you saw a little bit of an uptick in oil prior to the invasion of ukraine but you saw prior- The three congressmen
2: you have here two of them look like they could they really could and did play ball and the other one looks like he could bomb you are
4: are you worried that you know a, a young person who you know, realizes they're gay, that they won't be able to be themselves? I mean, what is, or they will be discriminated against, that that could be endorsed essentially by this bill? What is the concern about the environment this would create?
12: Absolutely. It's going to create an environment where it's going to continue to keep children uh, more closeted. Uh, it's going to put more of a sensor on teachers where teachers are, as a former teacher, teachers are the first responders uh, to uh, a lot of problems that uh, children uh, come to speak to someone about. Uh, so it's, it's not going to be beneficial to uh, to the teacher nor to, uh, to the student. And let's be clear, the Trevor Project um, did a, a study and come to find out um, that LGBTQ youth are four times more likely uh, to commit suicide, not because of their sexual orientation, but it's how they are treated. And that is actually the message that I was trying to convey to my colleagues in the room. Yes, you can have your belief, but who are you hurting uh, in this language that you're pushing, not just in Florida, but nationally?
4: You, I mean, you came out late in life. Just tell
13: me. A- and welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 13th of March, year of our Lord 20. 20- 22 and lies today we're going to cover what the media will do for Democrats that's the theme of the show and in just on that montage where you see the president's actual words and they have blamed it on everything from inflation to your greed to gas company greed to Putin hashtag yada 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 the media will quote it, and they'll use it as it's news. It's all news. It's not just a talking point If you're a Republican, it's a talk-a-point. And then you hear Andrew Mitchell, oh, yeah, we're good for it. Mm-hmm. They're really doing good. That's really smart. And then you got a CNN person laughing about it. I mean, it's just funny. It's comical. The guy then says somebody's a bomber, and then we have the gay bill. Don't say gay, which is we will see today. Down by the bay, eating clay, I just may, is a fucking lie! Oh, sorry. Can't yell, I got an injury. Finding out my stomach wasn't heartburn. And I have a fucked up stomach. It's embarrassing, so I'm not going to talk about it. But I can't yell. But that, but that's that's where we've been. We're just making shit up as the world is Perishing. People are dying wholesale. They're carrying water for them on the wall, inflation, on the war, excuse me, and the wall, because we don't even cover the illegal immigration that hasn't stopped. And, you know, you remember last time we had a Democrat president, we actually had uh, terrorist attacks. Didn't have on them on Republicans, we had them under Democrats. It's just a mess. But as you'll see on this montage, before we go into the slideshow, I mean, they have no shame in their game. I love politics, the media jerk off of the week.
10: At home, Americans are finally getting some relief. Finally, right? Good news, people. We talk so much about bad news. Oh my gosh! Inflation, blah, blah, blah. This is good news. Gas prices are heading south, down. A Government forecast forecast says that they could drop below three dollars a gallon.
5: Whew! Finally, some. Economic relief, however
14: minor. Americans are paying a little less at the pump after weeks of rising energy prices. Relief for the United States as energy costs drop. That
4: pain that you've been feeling at the pump, it may be short-lived. There is finally some relief at the pump.
6: Good news at the pump.
10: Finally getting some relief as you mentioned.
15: The national average price of gas dropped four cents in the last week.
10: Gas dropped nearly a nickel in the last week. It's a seven week low. It's moving in the right direction. The average is now at a seven-week low. Actually, a seven-week low. Slightly lower gas prices, so that's good news.
9: Yeah, This is the kind of positive news we've wanted.
10: Really good economic news,
14: including dropping gas prices.
4: Gas prices will tumble below $3 a gallon soon. So that's good news.
14: Person familiar with the White House's thinking told me today that lower prices at the pump are good news. And I do think we have to note that gas prices and natural gas, for example, going way down. There
10: are plenty of signs that the US economy is strong. This economy moving in the right direction It's not perfect. There are inflation concerns here, but there are a lot.
16: All of this together is going to impact uh, what people see every day. And that is why the president briefly mentioned that he is working to secure the global supply, Gale. That's going to be another huge part of this because of the doors that he is knocking on. You have Iran, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia. Those are not actors that the U.S. wants to make deals with. But Gail, when you're talking about the, the pain that people might feel here at home, that's who the White House right now is consulting with to make up the difference now that they have announced this ban on Russian oil. Gail? Yeah, that that raises a whole nother set of
17: questions, too. He also made it clear, Ouija, that his policies, the Biden administration policies, are not hurting oil production in this country. He wanted to make that clear, too.
16: Right, because that's what Republicans have been saying um, uh, very forcefully, wondering why we can't just ramp up oil production here. Well, the, the president just said that oil companies have the option to do that right now, um, but they aren't taking it. And we did talk to a commodities uh, expert, a strategist who said that's exactly right. But there's a lot of concern uh, from those oil companies because investors are very hesitant um, to have more uh, production ramp up, especially especially if it could be tied um, to anything having to do with with the war going on right now. And so another point, Gail, is it it couldn't happen overnight, right? I mean, when you're talking about the need for supply right now, you can't make that happen uh, right away. And uh, unfortunately, for better or worse, where you can go is Saudi Arabia. Well, it's not just fuel costs hitting records. Prices are up across
18: the board. And inflation is getting most of the blame for the sticker shock, But a CBS News investigation found that corporate greed is also a major factor. CBS's Manuel Bohorquez explains.
14: The biggest food price hikes are in meats, with pork and beef up 14 to 20 percent from a year ago. Food companies and some economists say pandemic disruptions, inflation, and high demand are to blame. But others question whether there's more at play. Ricardo Salvador is with the Union of Concerned Scientists, a nonprofit advocacy group.
2: You're seeing just orders of magnitude greater uh, profit that are not justified by the actual rate of inflation or their increased cost.
14: We pulled the quarterly reports on Tyson, the nation's largest meat processor. The company posted $3 billion in profit in 2021 and over a billion dollars just last quarter. That means profits were up a staggering 48%, even as inflation is hurting American families. A big reason for those skyrocketing profits, a 31% price hike on beef, 20% on chicken, and 13% on pork. This was the company's CEO on an earnings call last month.
2: We're not asking customers or the consumer ultimately to pay for our inefficiencies. Uh, We're asking them to pay for
14: inflation in a statement. Tyson told us economists and industry analysts confirmed that today's higher meat prices are a direct result of constrained supplies due to the labor shortage, higher input costs for such things as grain, labor and fuel and stronger consumer demand. The other major U.S. meat suppliers are also posting similar. The price of oil
19: has topped $130 a barrel overnight. Gas prices spiking, too.
14: How long is this going to last? It's going to last as long as a war between Russia and Ukraine lasts. And until we're able to ramp up production in the U.S., the
20: demand is there. Now, if the U.S. were to fully ban Russian imports, we'd make up for that gap by ramping up production here domestically. That would take some time. Well,
8: U.S. oil producers will probably ramp up production. But you see, that takes time, about six months to get into the pipeline.
0: Now, with the national average where it is, Americans are going to spend more than half a trillion dollars on gas this year alone. That, of course, has interest in the average for a gallon of regular is now more than four dollars and ten cents, surpassing. The previous record in 2008 prices skyrocketing nearly 50 cents a gallon over just the last seven days in california drivers spotting an eye-popping seven dollars a gallon in los angeles across the country the biggest jumps are in rhode island nevada connecticut kentucky and alabama russia whose economy is heavily dependent on energy exports accounts for nearly 10 percent of the global oil supply While an import ban could cripple Russia's economy, analysts say it would also trigger even higher gas prices here at home. If you knew that paying more would mean a better outcome for the invasion of Ukraine,
3: would you do that? Short answer, yes, of course. If that means paying an extra few dollars, then take it. And the price you pay is expected to climb
0: even higher. Gas buddy anticipating the national average could skyrocket 40 to 50 cents a gallon in the coming days and weeks. Lester?
6: What is the president's message to Americans who are going to the gas station today and seeing prices so
3: high? He is going to do everything we can, everything he can, to reduce the impact on the American people, including uh, the price of gas at the tank. What is also true is that because of the actions of President Putin, because he invaded a sovereign country, that created instability in the markets.
6: The administration is considering banning Russian oil and cutting off the revenue to Putin, though it accounts for just three percent of U.S. oil imports. A new poll out today shows seven in ten Americans support a Russian oil ban, even if it means higher gas prices. And the administration is in talks with Venezuela for the first time in three years. Well, it's very complicated because those are repugnant regimes as well. That's why uh, there are heavy U.S. sanctions on Venezuela, Iran as well. The United States is also reaching out to Saudi Arabia, which of course has terrible uh, record on human rights. But there are only bad options in this situation. The world is dependent. Uh, remains dependent on oil and gas, and there are uh, finite places to get it. And once you start sanctioning a major producer like Russia, even if it's a relatively minor part of American imports, it has an impact on the market, that has an impact on consumers, that has an impact on political attitudes uh, but as I indicated earlier uh, they have less and less uh, choice in the matter because of the political pressure. One of the things you have to wonder is, as this war goes on, uh, does that erode the constraints on uh, deployment of American military power and NATO military power? Hasn't yet. That's a line that they, they have held so far. Uh, but uh, you've got to wonder how much that pressure uh, uh, creates a desire for change.
15: And it will be important and uh, and interesting to hear what the president's message is, what his tone is, because he's got obviously multiple audiences, a message to Vladimir Putin here, a message to Ukraine, a message to European allies and a message to Americans, obviously, because, as you said, this is going to impact um, every American. What can the Biden administration do to protect Americans from gas prices soaring even further, with the understanding that forever we have known that there's not a lot any administration can do quickly.
0: Uh, That's the issue here. As John pointed out, the options for the Biden administration are essentially lose, lose, lose. Either we look weak uh, with regard to Putin or we make a deal with a different devil, Venezuela, Saudi, um, uh, Iran, for example. Um, or American consumers absorb a lot more pain. And there's no free lunch here. I think you hear a lot of Republicans arguing that there's a free lunch. Oh, we can just ramp up the U.S. Won. supply. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a fantasy, at least in the very near term. There's a long lag between the time that um, a, an oil producer gets out a rig, for example, you know, leases a new rig, and we actually get additional supply online. So no matter what, there's going to be pain in the near term. Biden needs to essentially prepare Americans for that additional
16: toll
9: of the war is having an ever greater impact on the U.S. economy with soaring inflation and gas prices. Americans are paying more. NBC's Morgan Chesky joins us with that part of the story.
5: Fuel, food, and shelter the biggest drivers behind inflation's highest increase in four decades. The consumer price index report showing a 7.9 percent rise over the last year and in washington the biden administration acknowledging it may get even worse before it gets better blaming putin's war in ukraine as a prime contributor
2: the american people know how important this fight is i think they know that as painful as the price is today the costs are going to be higher If we do not act now to deal with this tyrant
6: that war in ukraine having quite the impact here at home where just about everything is costing more these days in some cases a lot more the biggest jump in inflation in 40 years Mm. has prices at record highs on everything from food to rent and the average price of gas in this country right now four dollars 33 cents a gallon folks that is the highest it's ever been. The Biden administration acknowledged that inflation actually could get worse before it gets better. Do we know how much worse? And and do we know the driving forces behind these price increases?
5: The Biden administration is very much calling this Putin's price hike uh, with this war.
9: Yamiche, Biden is taking a huge domestic political risk with this Russian oil ban, even though right now he's getting support from Democrats and Republicans. You know as well as I do, as soon as gas prices go up and inflation gets worse, as a result, you are going to see those same Republicans blame Biden and use it in the midterms.
21: Well, Stephanie, you make such a smart point there because though President Biden, after a groundswell of bipartisan pressure, took the historic step of banning Russian Oil imports into the United States. There is really this political um, risk that he was taking because right now, as you said, Republicans and Democrats they got on the same page. They were even talking about a framework for doing this through Congress to ban oil imports. Um, But Democratic Democratic Senator Chris Murphy, um, he has said the moment that he believe the moment that gas prices start to surge even more, he believes that Republicans are going to be using this against the president. And I should tell you already, we've heard from House Speaker um, Kevin or House Minority leader, rather, Kevin McCarthy, um, who has said that while President Biden is trying to blame Russia and world events for the historic gas prices, this is really, he said, um, bad policy. So you already hear Republicans doing what Democrats fear they're doing, which is that they're just blaming Democratic policies, blaming President Biden himself, saying that he's the reason why all this is happening. Of course, President Biden has been warning Americans now for weeks that the cost of defending Ukrainian sovereignty and the cost of defending freedom was going to hit Americans in their pocketbooks. And it's clear and important to note that President Biden was saying he's taking this step Because Russia's actions are already hurting American families, he said. So this is really the president saying it's going to get even worse here domestically. But in the midterms, when you think about
5: the only viable path to energy independence for the American economy is to reduce the energy intensity of our economy overall uh, and ultimately to reduce it to zero and get ourselves to a position where we're no longer reliant on fossil fuels. That's a long term project. uh, But what we're seeing today um, and the geopolitics and the economic pain should only reinforce uh, our efforts to try to move there more quickly
13: there's too much to unpack it is like everything they can do they're gonna do they're just gonna carry the water that it isn't biden's fault and he is not a fucking goddamn incompetent fuck and that the beginning of this show the first soundbite you heard is when gas prices started going up because when you have a president who says he's going to destroy gas and we're going to get gas and coal out you get this. They were even running this in December. Oh, They're just all going to go down. Yet every American poll shows 70% drill. Mount McKinley, we don't give a fuck. We can't afford this. Inflation. We're living paycheck to paycheck. Everybody is. I mean, if you look at your humble podcaster here. We got struck by lightning last year. That cost me Thousands. I went back to work. I get COVID, I get a lung infection. I get a ulcered stomach. Now they believe I have a hiatal hernia, a strangulated one, which means I'll miss work. I'll have to get a surgery. I'll do more podcasts. The front end of my fucking Jeep broke. That's $4,000. My septic system, $2,000. And on top of it, every time I fill up gas, I'm putting up I did it stickers now. I went and bought them. I got 55 cents off, boys and girls, and I still paid three fifty-five dollars a gallon. Last summer, it was under $3. And it's all his shit. They're going to go to Venezuela trying to get gas. I don't have a million slides today. Blue check reporter. This is presumably Shell Station on Olympic Boulevard in L.A., which is literally the highest gas prices in the U.S., which reporters love to stand in front of to make everyone feel like things are totally out of control. Shell, consistently higher pras- prices. They shouldn't use it. That's a blue check reporter. David from. President Biden needs to speak plainly to Americans about the food, fuel, inflation that Pi- Putin's war imposes on the world. Preparing the country, no more of the glib buy American metal junk food in the State of the Union dress. Real talk about real cost. Yeah, we know that. This this is what CNN will do. This is how far they'll sell their soul
11: to inflation this month was an increase in gas and energy prices as markets reacted to Putin's
13: aggressive actions now I know I played part of that clip but I just want to that's not news that's democratic talking points that it's supply chains and covid and it's Putin and it's everybody but you do you notice a trend that when Democrats are president they get to blame everybody they don't take responsibility for anything and that's okay. Nobody has a problem with it. Republicans are blamed for fucking hurricanes. Trump was blamed for everything. This man hasn't owned a single thing. It's always everybody's fault. Washington Post, top Democrats, Republicans say they have reached a deal to ban Russian energy imports in the U.S. to normal trade relations. Dan Pfeiffer, Republicans start running ads, attacking Democrats for high gas prices. Everyone needs to call out their bad faith BS. They push for this policy. That's not why there's high gas prices. Jennifer Rubin. Biden can hope the worst is behind him. He had a great week. People's replies to her. Inflation surging. Gas prices skyrocketing. Biden insisting remain energy dependent on our enemies. And that's a good week? Gas is up over 50 cents a gallon this past week, and we're sending our boys and girls off to war in Ukraine. But President Biden just had one of his better weeks vacationing in Delaware. I mean, for fuck's sake, they don't live in the same reality. New York Times editor notes that Republicans are pouncing. Blake Houndshell. Republicans want to be able to criticize Biden. Either way, they're calling on him to stop importing Russian oil. But if he did, gas prices would go up. Not clear how the White House gets out of this jam. Noteworthy. As Biden cuts off Russian oil, McCarthy spokes is attacking him on Twitter for high oil prices. Do you know what the Democrats have been doing? Oh, they're already doing it. They're blaming Trump for this war. Yeah, I got sound bites. It's Trump's fault. They're trying to read... Dig the the him saying, hey, you better fucking do this, or I'm gonna hold back the aid, which was never proven. It was just Vinman. The actual president Zelensky never confirmed any of that stuff. Whereas we have Biden on video saying he did it, but you know, come on. Come on, man. It's Biden. He's a good guy. Democrats, Republican politicians are unanimously opposing Democrat efforts to lower your everyday cost. What's their plan? That's to Build Back Better, which would not lower costs. You can't spend money to fix money problems. If that was the case, I'd be buying. I'd buy a brand new car. New Yorker journo and CNN analyst Susan Glasser left a little something out of her story about Geo blaming Dems. Dan Pfeiffer. Blah, blah, blah. Same one I just read. Susan Glazer. So it begins. Republican demand ban on Russian oil, complain about high oil prices, and blame Democrats for them. The journals seem mad that Dems cannot, in fact, have their cake and eat it too. These are, these are journalists. These aren't opinionists. Well, that's what they are now. CNN reporter Greg Price. CNN reporter: People we've spoken to over the last couple of weeks are okay. Oh, I gotta pay the, play this.
22: Here at home at the pump a lot higher, Kate, but as you mentioned, people we've spoken to over the last couple of weeks, they're OK paying higher prices if it means holding Russia accountable for what they are doing in Ukraine. But these prices are likely going to creep higher, Kate. We'll see how they feel in the next week or so. Kate. Yeah,
15: and the big question, the big unknown is do any of these moves change Putin's behavior, change the way he is acting right now, what he's.
13: Are they. Democrats cuz I don't know anybody who's okay with it. Most of them are now like me watching anything but Ukraine when we're not going to do anything and we're just going to watch people die. Biden Deputy National Security Advisor Deleep Sai, even if we drill as much as we could, it wouldn't affect price of oil. Oh really? Since it's all based off speculation. Okay. Yeah. Washington Post, spiking gas prices, sting drivers nationwide, tapping pocketbooks and patients. The national average for a gallon of gasoline reached 4.17 on Tuesday, the highest since summer 2008. Ooh, that was a Democrat too. I don't know how we can do it, Lopez said, filling up a Chrysler minivan. Geopolitical market forces have squeezed the owner of her housekeeping business between her employees who successfully pushed her to double their weekly fuel allowance to 40 and her customers who face higher prices across the country and have cut back on her services. Everything's raised, said Lopez. It's crazy. It impacts me. It impacts for them. It impacts for everyone. Third paragraph. The reverberations of the Russian invasion of Ukraine has been felt at the pumps of the United States. That's a lie. Yes, it's drastically gone up this week because of the war, but they started the moment that cocksucker signed his executive order saying we're not going to fucking drill for oil. We're all going to drive green car. Well, you are. We're not, because I still drive a Corvette. The, the the Ducey actually asking that question was the greatest thing I've seen in a long time. She didn't answer it. He has Corvettes. They guess get worse gas mileage than my fucking Jeep. HuffPost reporter, Secretary Buttleg, you should not have to own a car or prosper in this country, no matter what kind of community you're living in. President Biden isn't to blame for price of gas, Vladimir Putin is. Want a solution? Ride a bike, walk, get an electric bike, move closer, get solar, need more? I give my 71-year-old partial disabled sister who lives on fixed income your solutions with the middle finger, can barely afford rent let alone buy an electric anything husband works 60 miles away so walking and biking are not an option there's no public transit rent has got up so far here that i can't afford to move i couldn't do a down payment anywhere need more they live in a bubble they all uber drive or they have drivers they fly around in private jets They don't have to pay their rent because they're rich as fuck or they're living on the dole. Do you think Psaki worries about these things? No. She makes more than you and me combined. And we're not even talking tax. I just did my taxes. I made 25 grand at my work due to big bonuses in a half a year. And I made 25 grand from the army. That means I only made fifty thousand dollars because my disability's untaxed. Putting my business in the street, the wife would get pissed. I got fifteen hundred bucks back. I paid in four thousand. Last year I would have got more in my pocket under the Trump taxes. But he already changed that. But don't, not a penny. You're not going to pay a penny. New York Times, this is real. The primary reason for rising gas prices is the pandemic and its disruption to global supply and demand. Not President Biden's policies as Republicans claim. Tom Elliott, seems Pisaki got the keys to the Times Twitter account. That's not journalism. That's not Journalism. I'm sorry. I'm sorry your buddy's not doing good. But you just don't get a lie and make shit up. And that's what they're doing. They will do anything to protect these motherfuckers. And if you haven't seen it, folks... For a segue before we go into, don't say gay Bill, another lie. Are you really surprised by this?
23: It was great about CIA and NSA, and about Trump, and about that ridiculous, like, P which of course doesn't make sense. You know, whenever there's an eruption in our newsroom, whatever black is, Ian's able to say, like, yo, I'm a newsroom. Sure colleagues might use a... So like back down. I think there's like a real internal tug of war between like the reasonable people and some of the crazier leftist that's worked its way in there in ways that we're deeply unhappy about. How does that
15: influence you guys with the New York
19: Times? Oh, you read the paper lately? Once again, Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times journalist Matthew Rosenberg describes to our undercover journalist how he would create ridiculous stories with government officials, no less, that go on to generate National coverage and outrage from the rest of the media.
24: We do not reveal sources. Yes.
19: <laughs> well, this one I gotta be very careful with this guy.
24: Oh, fair.
23: But it's written about the CIA and NSA, and about Trump, and about that ridiculous, like, p tape, which of oh. course doesn't make sense. Um, maybe it does, I mean, nobody's ever gonna see if it, it does.
19: But they involve people claiming they had it, which of course they didn't, right. it was great. Writing a story about a claim that Rosenberg knew was false. Ironically, he's not all that impressed with the writing talent of his colleagues, including Adam Goldman. Do
2: they not
3: know what like, the story
19: is? That's the problem, that, like they're not the clear thinker
23: sometimes. So, like,
3: How are they working for the New York Times? You'd then? be
23: amazed
7: what
23: do you mean and there's some people who just can't yeah, write, write like who like a lot of my colleagues
7: like oh who, who so who i know Goldman, not to write. goldman's
23: a terrible no he's a really good reporter and editors do it on her writing board. it's he's a terrible writer but he's like more than value, more than makes up for it with his reporting skills, which are amazing. All right, but
22: he sucks at writing. He's a terrible writer.
23: Why? He's not
19: good at conceptualizing things. He's not good at words. So it's, 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 it's a skill, it's a hard one, it's crap. As if weak writing within the New York Times top reporters wasn't enough, Rosenberg shockingly comments on our very defamation lawsuit against the New York Times, the one where we got past motion to dismiss in New York State, and the reason why opinion can influence their news telling.
4: My friend was saying um, that you
25: guys are yeah. in a lawsuit with like James.
23: Yeah. Who so is it? James O'Keefe. That was a f- What? That was a f- up. We might well lose that one. And these are
26: just journalists with opinions? You know? I think
23: they're human beings. And so if our broader culture is in a moment where everybody thinks they, they, they know best, that's going to end up reflecting itself. We're part of that. I don't
27: think
23: they consciously are aware of these opinions. Like, you know you half of the world this is a world right now where we seem to think that the
19: answer rosenberg goes on to attribute this trend of sensationalism to an inner ideological divide that seems to be growing within the new york times itself a trend that is testing and may even be driving away the long-time figureheads of the newspaper. Why is Dean
27: leaving?
23: I <laughs> just oh, tired of this sh-. You know, whenever there's an eruption in our newsroom, whenever black staffers, Dean's able to say, like, yo, I have to the newsroom, colleagues might use the b- be, So like, back down. They're not the majority, but they're a very vocal, loud minority that dominates social media. And therefore has this hugely outsized influence. So here we are. How does
24: that influence you guys up in
23: your town? Oh, you read the paper lately? I try
24: not
15: to. No offense. <laughs> like, like,
23: that's the worst part. It's like it's not decided It's almost like nobody's making this. Everybody's like the path of least resistance. So. That would pay off? Like, no, like in the readers, end it or, um, Subscribers? No. I think we're alienating more subscribers than we're getting out of this Why? Because most of our readership, most of our subscribers, are prosperous. Person, I don't want to hear that they're awful people all the time, and the really woke kind of racial stuff really bugs me, is they, they don't think a world in which everybody's defined by their racial identity is a good idea. The kind of person who ends up in the New York Times, is a certain amount of that. who are very high achieving, very neurotic people, and you can see it in how they approach the world and why they get freaked out of it, whereas like the rest of us are like, I'm going to go all my life
26: things are
23: so skewed from one article to the next and it's become a real problem. Like a really big problem. When it just gets worse and, worse and worse. We have a lot of younger colleagues and they seem to get what we do. And,
18: uh, I mean the, the, the,
23: there are people in the company who know. There's like a we're not necessarily the reporters, but we do have younger colleagues and like if you come out of a fancy ID school, in the private school your whole life, there's a certain amount of indoctrination that's gone on. It's subtle, but you you don't realize it, and like like the mere concept of microaggression, it's only ex- like among normal people they don't think about it at all. Among people have to think about it, it's subject of debate. But among a certain kind of academic, people who raise that kind of It's just a given fact of life. And I'm just like, I don't buy, like, I don't think it is actually. But like that kind of worldview works its way in. It's subtle but it's there. And you're just kind of like, God, what the f are we doing? Here? and so you've got a small group of that basically they're bullets you know we've kind of privileged i mean, and this is where the social media piece comes into it. it's like personalities that would have been considered toxic in most places that would have been shot kind of get elevated by social media because you lose the context of what they've done and you lose, you know, if somebody's behaving the way they behave on like Twitter in, a, in an office of 40 people, they're going to be social repercussions to that. There's not that you get a hallelujah chorus cheering you on and So you see a lot of that I mean, it's taken a long time to kind of like sift through it because you know there are good faith like, talk of sexism whatever whatever but the bad faith stuff can be really hard to sort out in that situation the bad faith stuff can be really hard to sort out in that situation and i think for a while there was a real kind of like you know
12: This morning, former Empire actor Jussie Smollett is waking up in Chicago's Cook County Jail. Smollett, defiant as he was taken into custody after being sentenced to 30 months of felony probation, ordered to pay restitution of more than $120,000 to the city and a $25,000 fine. He'll spend the first 150 days of his sentence in jail, all stemming from his conviction in December on five counts of felony disorderly conduct for lying to Chicago police about an alleged attack back in 2019. If I
10: did this, then it means that I
28: stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community.
12: Before handing down the sentence, the judge calling Smollett's actions shameful, saying his extreme premeditation, paying two brothers to shout racist and homophobic slurs, pour bleach on him and put a noose around his neck, was an aggravating factor.
6: You're just a charlatan pretending to be a victim of a hate
8: crime. Your very name has become an adverb for lying, and I cannot imagine
13: what... So there we have a New York Times guy admitting they knew it was bullshit, but they ran with it anyway. Just ran with it, because why wouldn't they? We make shit up all the time, and Jesse Smollett. You and I fake hate crime. Crime. You're gonna get some real, real time. He he doesn't get real time. So at the New York Times, at a Thursday lunch in New York Times bureau. Upset reporters, pressed executive editor Dean beckett about a recent sting operation with Matthew Rosenberg. Project Veritas group that was singled out journalists and Democrats under undercover operation. Post a pair of videos, blah, 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 Banquet, The Times staffer told us responded respond by criticizing Rosenberg for being careless and stupid. But he said that Project Veritas is trying to make our heads explode and divide the times and that they should not play in the group's hands. You notice they don't touch that the truth got out. The truth we already knew. That they knew Russia was a lie, that Hillary made it up, and they ran with it for Hillary because they wanted Hillary to be president. So of course they're going to run with Putin's inflation and all these other lies. Of course. Of course, of course they're going to do it. Merrick Garland says that the Capitol Ryan inquiry is the most urgent investigation in the history of the Justice Department. Not all this shit. Nope. Then we find out. According to documents, they worked with the media to make a campaign for vaccinations. And, oh, look at this one. They even printed, folks. Oh, they're doing the same thing. Reshape economic coverage. That's why you're seeing there is no gas inflation. These are not the drones you're looking for. There is no inflation. Change the way you live, you greedy bastard. I mean, I'm not even touching... Uh, big pork, big chicken, big cream cheese, big brief, greedy oil barons. I mean, those are all interlaced in all this. COVID, supply chain, greedy motherfuckers, the way you live. Because they're better than you. They know more than you. Are you an idiot? Why don't you have your solar car, which doesn't even exist? Yeah, okay. One positive, they're going to change the way they cover it. And the J6 is now because they didn't get anything and it didn't work because you've watched the rotation of COVID. And then you went to frickin January 6th. It was Trump COVID January 6th. Then we went back to COVID. Then we tried to do January 6th and we went back to COVID. COVID just fucking disappeared because the politics of the country changed and all of a sudden magically you don't see Fauci and hear anything anymore. It just went out of the news and now it's Putin. Because they don't win without a boogeyman. You gotta have some devil out there for them to scare you. Come to Mama, vote for me, and I'll control your fucking life. That's the Democrat way. So now fundraising—that's the next thing. Because you know they're—they're they're checking everybody's stuff. Remember, they have over or overstepped every rule that you have. They just make it up and lie and break the Constitution because the Constitution just gets in the way of their overall desire to rule everything, tell you what to eat, where to live, how to live, what to drive, what to think, what to say, and they almost have complete control of everything with social media and Google, your phone. They run you. They track you. Not one media has come back to this. These tweets are still sitting up about Jesse Smellett. They're still sitting there. They've had that. Nobody's even asked him a question. Well, now that it's proven by a quarter of his peers, do you retract this, what you said about America? That you believe people are running around with nooses and bleach and attacking black guys when they come out of Subway? It's not very plausible, but whatevs. Anybody going to ask that question? Which is why the next election, 2024, this is illegal. This is Rick Wilson talking about making an ad and the candidate, Nikki Fried, running against a Senate saying, should I make it or you want to do it together? They'll get away with it because our media is not a media. The transcribers for the Democrats, as Ben Shapiro says, they will just carry, they're giving them talking points and they take the talking points and they pin it. I want you to really go back and look at the last week and you will see Putin's gas hike on a paper everywhere as if it was news and it's a talking point. Just like January 6th was. Just like Ukraine is just like inflation was, just like every impeachment they did on Trump, like 85 of them, but two of them went through. It's not real. They think they can win on this shit. So of course, a bill that literally just stops you from talking about any type of sexual anatomy, orientation, identity, with kindergarten to third grade. That's it. Kindergarten to third grade, where nowhere in it does it say, don't say gay. The entire media establishment went with, don't say gay.
28: Does
6: it say that in the bill? Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill, because you are pushing you. false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say.
28: Well, it says advanced classroom
19: instruction on sexual identity and gender
6: orientation. I for who? For, for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you <laughs> of those areas. And we're gonna make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum.
29: Now the Florida Senate is expected to vote today on the so-called don't say gay bill that would prohibit public schools from teaching about sexual orientation or gender identity to children in kindergarten through third grade. I must point out, this is not happening. It has never been happening in the school system, and yet here
24: we have yet another thing for kids to worry about. Teachers are first responders for kids. Yeah. They're, They're the first responders. For anything going on, whether it's abuse at home or otherwise, we have seen kids, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the Gabriel Fernandez story, Mm -hmm. Uh, that kid was brutally tortured. One of the ignorant slurs being thrown at him by his, uh, I I don't know if it was a stepfather or uh, his mother's boyfriend was, you're gay. There are people that are so violently unhinged and ignorant that this can be a problem for some people so you can't take teachers away from these kids because when they are obligated to then out their own children this is, again, a journey we have not finished yet. People are still ostracized from their families. There they are still people that try to pray the gay away. There's a lot of that still going on. So if we start to go backwards in this journey of allowing people to do this, this will be a real problem, especially for kids that young.
17: I don't understand the point. I don't understand making kids' lives harder than they need to be. The cruelty is the point, I think. And you know, you hear that all the time. And it's to shame families. It's to um, shame children. And you know, we could see this coming i think when you start banning books when you start banning history in the classroom what is the next step it's banning discussions about sexual orientation and gender identity it's then banning discussions about certain religions we have been on this path i'm sorry since your boss uh took took uh former former boss took office he started saying the quiet part out loud the discrimination became
11: transparent and blatant and this is the result Okay, let's bring in CNN's Steve contorno So Steve, as I understand it, this bill is vague. So what exactly does it outlaw?
1: Allison, the bill makes it illegal to have classroom instruction around sexual orientation or gender identity in get grades kindergarten through third grade or in ways that may not be age appropriate for all other grades, and This has been a sticking point between Democrats and Republicans. Republicans have said over and over again, this bill does not prohibit people from saying the word gay. And Democrats are saying you are stigmatizing people. And then last night, there was somewhat of a stunning admission by the bill's sponsor. During one of the late hours of debate, he all but acknowledged that he believes there is a trend of kids who are, quote, experimenting with their gender identity and their sexual orientation, and that he actually hopes that this legislation uh, might curb that and and would no longer encourage that behavior in schools. Democrats called this a homophobic position, uh, and it all came during a very emotional day of debates, including from one of the uh, body's own, Senator Chevron Jones. He is the only openly gay member of the Senate, and he shared his own experience with his colleagues having this to say.
10: We'll have to see how this is implemented in classrooms. Um, for some, so many uh, young LGBTQ uh, students, home is not a safe place. And now that school can't be a safe place, uh, We'll see if... Uh... Well,
7: today, Florida lawmakers passed what opponents have called the Don't Say Gay Bill. The measure would limit classroom lessons on sexual orientation and gender identity among young children. The ACLU says 15 other states are considering bills that would also address LGBTQ issues in school. We get more now from CBS's Manuel Bohorcas.
24: What they're doing does not represent us.
14: Some have voiced their opposition in public. For others, the struggle is personal. 17-year-old Andrew Triolo, who is transgender, says the safe space he has sewing and drawing at home was always missing at school. In meantime, back here at home tonight into Florida's controversial legislation passing, now sent to the governor there tonight. It's called the Parental Rights in Education Bill. Critics call it the Don't Say Gay Bill. What it would prevent teachers from saying or doing, and some asking tonight if this is signed, What about isolated or bullied children? Who will they be able to turn to at school? Here's Victor Akendo in Florida tonight.
5: Tonight, Florida's controversial legislation, dubbed by critics as the Don't Say Gay Bill and gaining national attention, has been sent to Governor Ron DeSantis to sign, the governor already signaling he supports it. The state Senate passing the bill 22 to 17 today, despite days of protest from the LGBTQ community and thousands of students. Officially called the parental rights in education bill, the measure bans lessons regarding sexual orientation or gender identity in grades K through third, and any instruction that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate according to state standards. Those standards, however...
28: Tonight from that scolding by Florida's governor to a group of students because they wore masks, calling it political theater. It upset some parents and underscored the heated debate over masks.
14: Today, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis admonished a group of students at the University of Florida for wearing masks. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take it
6: off. Honestly, it's not doing anything. we got to stop with this focus theater. So if you want to wear it, fine,
23: but this is, a, this is ridiculous.
12: Tonight, more fallout after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis admonished a group of high school
10: students Wednesday.
8: It's still a contentious topic. This was Florida's governor with a group of high school students on Wednesday.
29: And how much of a dick do you have to be to yell at a bunch of high
8: school students who are just trying to be safe?
10: And while he won't wear a mask, tonight he is
8: the
30: face of con... Hey everyone, it's Wilson. I'm here with Barbara Pomo from the One Pulse Foundation. Um, and we're sitting here at the temporary memorial of Pulse on the day that the Florida legislature has passed a bill, the anti, the uh, Don't Say Gay bill. And it occurs to both of us that this memorial wouldn't be necessary. The murders that happened here almost six years ago would not have happened if um, we educated our children more, if we educated our our population more about LGBTQ issues and issues of people of color and civil rights in this country. And yet we find ourselves today in a state in which a legislature is denying this entire state, its children, of its history. And we cause harm to kids and how they see themselves and how the community sees them. And some people even extrapolate that for the need of violence. So we sit here in Florida today looking at this memorial, remembering the people that we lost, but also wondering how we stop this from happening again. And I'll tell you what, this bill isn't going to help it. So do what you can today, reach out to your legislature and tell them how evil and unnecessary and harmful this is so that we never have to see another pulse happen again. And while you're at it, go to one. PulseFoundation.org, and help us build this memorial to commemorate what happened here, to celebrate the lives that were lost, and to always remember and make sure that it never happens again.
27: Free speech! All right, how about a name? Come on, come on, give us your name. Come on, have some courage. How about a you? Fuck you! How about a name? Are you a woman or a man? I don't know
1: what you are. Good for you. I'm trying understand. to figure it out.
18: Okay.
4: young person who you know realizes they're gay that they won't be able to be themselves i mean what is or they will be discriminated against that that could be endorsed essentially by this bill what is the concern about the environment this would create
13: now i know i repeated that track but that's how disingenuous they will be it's kindergarten to third grades they don't know they're gay unless their parents force it on them All these seven-year-olds, that was their parents, making them think that they're the opposite sex. And to show how fragile the Democratic coalition is, my guess is 18% of the country is really, really into this LGBT mafia bullshit. And only 0.07%, less than 1% of this country, is trans-identifying maybe 2%. That's it. They don't know that because they live in a bubble. So around them... There's a billion trans and shit, but you live in liberal world. Out in the real world, there's not a lot of people. Take polls all the time. I don't know anybody. Don't know a single person. So, you know, it's not a big deal where I live. Just not a big deal. The press is failing. This is Jay Caruso when he uses the Democrat nickname for a bill and every headline is an actual name. I'm talking about the Florida parental don't say gay bill. That's utter nonsense. Point out that how Democrats frame an outlet's do a disservice to readers and viewers when they call it that because there's nothing in the legislation that says it. This NPR story is particularly egregious. Look at the headline. Mm, Did I fuck up? Somehow I fucked up. Yeah, I fucked up. Let's get let's get let's get to where we're supposed to be. There it is. Don't say gay, Bill. Kindergarten to third grade. The third graph says version of the so-called parental rights and education bill. It's not so called. That's what it's called. Here's an example for Fernando's son. Parental rights and education bill heads to parent Senate floor. That's what it should look like. I, I'm not playing the gay day, gay day video that was all. No, no, that that's just virtue signaling on a level. I I can't even understand. Then Jen Psaki gets in there. She, she knows she's lying. I could play the video of them. We're going to bring back truth, science. No, you're not. You're going to bring back politics way worse than Trump ever. could. I mean, Trump wasn't a politician. He was horrible at it. You guys are masters on bullshit. You spin lies and yarns and lies, and that's just what you do. It's your thing. POTUS and administration stand with LGBTQ plus students everywhere, including the Florida, where they have passed hateful legislation targeting for almost students. Legislation protects K through three. And I am... Upstate Federalists. They don't need to know where the dicks go. No. To that specific soundbite. Um, what Brianna Keller, your question is nonsensical. Let's real question has nothing to all to do with anyone realizing they're gay. It's about five to eight-year-old children. Completely ignores that the study was in the adolescence in eleven to sixteen. Don't think there are really many five to eights who are suicidal over grappling with sexuality that's that's how silly they are well that's also how silly they are and then of course all the Hollywood gone in uh, Adriana uh, fucking grande Star Trek Patton all these idiots and I've been sitting on that video for fucking ever of how do, you can't talk to these people. You can't, but because somehow this has seeded its way into every facet of our lives, even the military, well, yes, last week, that's what they did. Gender studies, instead of preparing for a war with Russia, we're talking about how we can fast track motherfuckers to get their dicks turned into vaginas, and remember my stomach condition's off something that was torn that's not covered for vets. But you can get your dick put, made into a canoe or your canoe made into a dick. That's all covered. Matt in Oregon, this video is sad, but it's 100% true.
29: Tensions are escalating with Russia. China could invade Taiwan any day. We need to prepare for World War III. Which is why I've biologically engineered a prototype super soldier serum. This formerly average soldier is now six foot seven and can lift three times his body weight. His IQ is an estimated 150. He only requires three hours of sleep per night, and he's questioning his sexual identity. What? That's ridiculous! The Chinese army won't be impressed with a super soldier who's merely questioning his sexual identity! We need the gayest soldier you can make! I thought you might say that, so I also drafted another experiment. We call this one... Spartacus. He's magnificent! What are his specifications? 300 pounds of pure muscle, 20-30 vision, can live for three months on a single bag of rice, and is an openly transgender furry with a learning disability. Well... Why are we doing any of this? Why why that last part? Diversity is our
19: strength.
29: But he's not strong enough! I was worried you might think so. So I've engineered a final serum. (laughs) He may look the same. But that serum implanted him with the memory of being raised by two lesbians. And he's a quadriplegic. I'm glad he's on our side. Z could win the war by himself. We lost the war in three hours. But we're on the right side of history.
13: It's actually true. That's what we're doing right now and it's it's actually kinda scary. It it before we go to Ukraine. Look at this. Documents prove that they brokered a deal before the election or once he got elected that it, it, we just go easy on you. The Iran deal is much worse. Much worse than, it's being brokered by Russia. Russia is brokering it. He's fucked it all up. But don't worry the media, instead of covering that, and before we go into the Ukraine section, this is what they're
9: worried about. Yeah, I want to talk. I, I joked about bringing up the State of the Union. It's like nobody else is talking about it. Right. But if there was one uh, thing that surprised me about the president's State of the Union was the lack of of connecting the fight for democracy mm-hmm. and freedom abroad with the fight for democracy at home. Today's bloody Sunday. Right. Okay. On some vice presidents there. Uh, uh, Going to march across the bridge the second time without John Lewis feels odd not to have John Lewis there leading leading this. What well, were you surprised? I was stunned.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it was an easy
9: kind
28: of rhetorical move. Let's defend democracy abroad and secure democracy at home.
10: And politically helpful. I yeah. mean, I hate to be that crass about it, it's but right. right? Like, you're, right. it's
28: an easy political And message. what would it mean to secure democracy at home? We would have to address the question of what's happening across the country in terms sure. of the assault on voting rights. And we would also have to address the illiberal forces within our country that are driving the, cha- the challenge to voting rights. So I didn't, I didn't understand it. And I thought it was a mistake.
9: Well, and I think it's a way you gotta, if we're gonna get drawn in more, you gotta explain to the American people. The
31: United States is committing uh, to um, uh, now having a temporary protected status um, up to 18 months for uh, Ukrainians. uh, And we are uh, hopefully going to lift. Um, the refugee quota uh, so that we can bring in um, Ukrainian refugees. Uh, And I just uh, hope that, you know, when we are uh, thinking about Syrians and uh, folks from Afghanistan and South and Central America, our rhetoric uh, will hopefully also uh, shift. Now, what we're seeing in Ukraine is absolutely the worst humanitarian crisis that Europe has seen in decades. But we haven't witnessed the same type of solidarity for the Yemenis as we do for the Ukrainians. We don't see historic sanctions or global campaigns, corporations like Airbnb and Netflix taking a stand. And this is not to say that we shouldn't care this much for Ukraine, far from it. The point is we should also care this much for refugees and those facing occupation and war in the Middle East and Asia and Africa too. The coverage of Ukraine has revealed a pretty radical disparity in how human Ukrainians look and feel to Western media compared to their browner and blacker counterparts. With some reporters using very telling comparisons in their analyses of
22: the war it's very really emotional for me because i see european people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed children being killed every day
1: with putin's missiles
26: the unthinkable has happened to them and this is not a developing third world nation this is europe
1: this isn't a place
8: with all due respect um you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan, that has seen conflict raging for decades. You know, this is a relatively civilized, uh, relatively European, I have to choose those words carefully too, uh, city
31: where you wouldn't expect that or hope that it's going to happen. Hmm, civilized. Okay, let's face it. The world is paying attention because this is happening in Europe. If this was happening anywhere else, would we see the same outpouring of support and compassion But we don't need to ask ourselves if the international response would be the same if Russia unleashed their horror on a country that wasn't white and largely Christian, because Russia has already done it in Syria.
8: More than two million refugees have fled that war in Ukraine in the last two weeks alone, and some of them have families back in the United States. But according to the State Department, Ukrainians are only being considered for resettlement in America if the countries they fled into are also unsafe. We spoke to one Ukrainian-American who flew all the way to Poland from San Francisco hoping to fly back with two teenage relatives and learned here that that's not allowed. They reunited five days ago on that now famous train platform in Shemish, thinking the hard part was over. But that's where the family's luck ran out
25: when we went to the american embassy they just turned us away they have no sympathy no understanding even when i say i'm american citizen i want to take my kids
2: despite reassurance from the u.s government and we're going to keep providing security assistance economic assistance and humanitarian assistance
8: and special protections for ukrainians already living in the u.s the state department so far hasn't announced any exceptions for those fleeing the war even if their closest family relatives are American. Safi was stunned.
25: When the leaders of the country, right, uh, tell you, we stand with you, we support you, this is not actual support. Actual support is when you help me to bring my family. They don't have any place to go. They have to go with me. We
8: reached out to Safi's congressman, that's Representative Eric Swalwell, whose office did tell us that they are going to be contacting her and will...
18: Historian Kimberly St. Julian Varnon has been studying race, foreign policy, and Russia for years and called Ukraine home back in 2013.
22: When I initially saw the videos, you know, I was just like, not again. You know, it's one of those things where if you are a person of color and you work in Eastern Europe and you research Eastern Europe, racism isn't new. I mean, racial discrimination is not new, but... To see it on display and being exacerbated by war, it was just really heart-wrenching.
18: Especially, she says, when considering Syrian refugees who in December sought help at the Poland-Belarus border
22: with little to no success. So I try to point out this, this crisis we saw in December because it is very much the same situation of people fleeing a war and needing protection and care, but they're not getting that. Mm -hmm. What
18: is the difference and why is there a difference?
22: I think the key difference is race and ethnicity. I mean, and we've seen it in reporting and how people have said this, but also like the, the Bulgarian prime minister saying, These aren't the refugees we're used to. These are educated refugees.
18: While social media has helped expose racial discrimination, St. Julian Varnin says it has also been used by Russia to spread disinformation.
22: They use these videos of these African students and these Indian students talking about racism and their experiences of racism, and they're using it to undermine the Ukrainian war effort.
18: Students from Africa and other countries make up a small population, but as St. Julian Varnon explained, it's not okay for people to be discriminated against in this way. She is in touch with several students who made it to Hungary and tells me that many of them now consider third country nationals have been told that they have to move to another country or go back home within 30 days. I think, you know, I've gotten a lot of messages from different people about this story. I'm glad that we were able to highlight it. A lot of people talking about it on social media. Um, But it also brings into um, perspective the importance of not just recognizing this, typical, you know, this specific humanitarian crisis, but there's others, you know, other refugee crises Syria, Afghanistan, right. South Sudan, Myanmar. Um, and we need to remember that as, ongoing as a country, as, yes. as a world and learn from this.
13: Yeah, we're, we're racist because we're going to take some white people in. Yeah, that's that's the story. That's that's the story. Noah Pollock. Biden's foreign policy moves were seeding, seeing refusing to stop buying Russian oil, sudden to Venezuela, and insane cave in Iran, Russia, and the Vienna talks makes sense once you realize Biden and foreign policy has two rules. Rule one, get back into something that can be heralded as a Iran deal no matter what. This is less a policy idea than a matter of democratic honor, refusing to admit the failure of Obama's major foreign policy goal and Trump, which is so true. What did I get? I didn't get the next one. Sorry. Rule two, cripple cripple domestic energy production. This is a foremost demand of the eco-activist base of the Democratic Party. No matter how much gas price increase, the admin will not budge. And so the admin is left begging bad regimes for oil. It's morally appalling. It's nonsensical as a policy to reduce carbon emissions, but it pleases eco-activists. Right now, rule one class with rule two, since much oil production comes from the same Gulf Arab countries, endangered by Democrats' obsession with the Iran deal. Biden is left chasing tin pot thugs like Maduro, and I'm going to stop funding um, Russian oil. There's a lot of these inviolable policies and dem policies today signifying a weak party largely controlled by interest groups. And he's right. Trump. Trump alert on aisle four. There was a lot of this this week. We're going to blame Trump for it. They were bringing... Vinman and accused anybody who disagrees with Biden's policy is still pro Putin. Alexander Vinman says Ron Johnson's a huge disappointment on Ukraine. A a lieutenant colonel. What does he know about foreign policy? He overheard a phone call, hated Trump, and became famous. This is Silizza. We were running this shit. It's a comeback. He's the greatest ever. This, what POTUS is doing is very methodically saving the world. This is a moment he has prepared for his entire life. The 2020 election should be regarded as the most consequential since World War II. That will hold true until 2024. Democracy was and is very much on the ballot. The Atlantic. Credit where credit is due. It's hard to imagine another president handing this crisis better than Biden. Joe Biden hasn't received the full credit he deserves for statecraft during this crisis because he's pursued a policy of self-effacement rather than touting his accomplishments and mobilizing and unifying global response to the invasion. He's portrayed the stringent sanctions as the triumph of an alliance by carefully limiting his own public role and letting France Emmanuel Macron and Germany's Schultz take turns to lead face NATO. He's left Vladimir Putin with little opportunity to portray the conflict as a standoff of the United States, a narrative that the Russian leader would clearly prefer. He's shown how to wield American leadership in the face of deep European ambivalence of its existence. Oh, this is good, and this comes with a warning its graphic. For the podcast listeners, some of this section will be soundless, of course, because it's uh, drone footage and video of war.
32: По лесники. Ха-ха-ха. Сука. Скики. Раз. Два, три, четыре, пять, шесть. И соляры полно. Лизоч. Качать, разбирать. Питер.
14: has emerged of a Ukrainian ambush on a Russian armored column about 35 kilometers from the center of Kyiv. Russian forces are approaching Kyiv from the northeast and east in an effort to complete the encirclement of the capital, but Ukrainian anti-tank weapons have held them off so far. Russia has taken heavier-than-expected losses during the invasion, which began just over two weeks ago. Ukraine has sought to make a public relations play of Ukrainian successes, releasing film of destroyed Russian tanks or enemy armor being towed by tractors. So far, 164 Russian tanks have been destroyed, damaged, or captured, according to the specialist monitor Oryx, which is tracking losses using photo or video evidence. Oryx says for Russian armored fighting vehicles, the number is 102. Ukraine has lost 47 tanks and 39 fighting vehicles from its smaller force.
25: за водителя. А мамка выглядывает в окно. А ну, видишь, губступом занимается. О, мама дарает. Зетки, тигры. Ой. Ой, боже, посмотри, сколько этой нечисти. Действительно всё чёрное такое противное. Ой. ой. Куда ж вы прётесь? Вот наша машина
32: стала. Что ж вам не хватает в
25: этой жизни? а? Это ж как, нуждаться Зомбированы,
32: зазомбированные. Зомби. Зомби команда.
25: Это ж как надо нуждаться, чтобы побереть, грабить и убивать. Капец, боже,
32: что ли? мародеры приехали, блядь, в аэропорт сушных кидеров. Их, блядь, под маской, блядь, воинов, сука, ебаных. Підераси спизали, блять. портовские зодовські автобуси спизили, блять. Нахуярили повний, блять. Нахуярили товару, блять, повний бус. Нахуярили товару. Що се? Нахраю товару, повний, блять, бус. Мужики з нас гвардії, блять, говорять, дзвонять. Марджу रखेシオвый склада нашей. Я подживаю. А тут пацаны хуярят, блять Ну, заезд, завёлки по их помощи. Да? Хуярят. Полкова, хуярят. оце не их раскояли бус. Раскояли ихний бус. Не Сука, в пидрёёны нагрузили, блять повні Бусы попиздали. Я думаю, Анатолий, А це один хуй. О, пожалуйста. Куди приїхали?
13: that's answering the call that that's statecraft we're just watching it We're, we're doing nothing we're just watching it all we're not letting helicopters to get in we're not letting anything there's only a few times it comes through the people actually call him out instead of going on this, he is the greatest thing ever kick and lying. Chris Christie this week and a advisor on MSNBC spoke the truth, and it's our This is America, the worst sound bites, because there's only two. So it's in a verse. Only two people are speaking truth to the ineptitude of this fucking bumbling grandpa This is America Don't got you slipping now Don't
18: got you slipping
27: now What I'm whipping up This is America Don't got you slipping
14: now It's time for the worst soundbite When the liberal media's pushing one of them agenda story and says
27: This is America 2021
10: George, that if we had aggressively armed Ukraine from the time Joe Biden got in office, if he continued the Trump policy, and had continued to aggressively arm Ukraine, continued
2: the Trump policy. I mean, Trump's no, no, the no, one. No, 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 no. Trump, Trump, no,
5: no. Uh,
10: listen, Trump, Trump, Trump is
5: the <laughs> one that browbeated Liz Zelensky. John, and held back
10: John, the javelins
5: can, that Congress had
10: voted. John, to you can continue, and, and he still, the Ukrainians were armed. And in January of 2021, Joe Biden stopped that policy. The same way he reversed domestic oil production policy. Just in North Dakota alone, half a million barrels a day reduced because Biden prevented us taking it out of uh, federal lands. We import half a billion barrels a day from Russia. We could stop paying blood money to Russia to fund this war if we would increase domestic oil production. But that goes against the president.
14: The Republicans? Seriously? I mean, Donald Trump tried to play a game with Mr. Mr. Zelensky. And still armed him. He tried to play a game. And still armed him. And and, and was impeached for it. So I think this president has rallied the country, rallied NATO gotten the Germans. I mean, look look at the countries that have come in to help the Ukrainians. you think that's, that's because of Joe Biden? Or do you yes, think it's I because, do believe no, that Joe Biden it's has shown tanks, leadership. And while you
10: no, may not like his leadership, the, no, he has Donna, shown a lot of It's because the as tanks well. rolled into Ukraine, and that puts the Russian tanks a lot closer to Germany than they were before they did. You cannot give Joe Biden credit for that. And by the way, Joe Biden did one thing that Donald Trump didn't do he stopped arming Ukraine. Wait, George, got to do two things at the same time. And you should be able to. You have to ban Russian oil, and you have to increase domestic production. And that is where Joe Biden's going to have the problem, because he's held captive by the environmental left. That <laughs> What John, John, Kerry, John Kerry, his guy, said uh. last week that the real tragedy of Ukraine is it's slowing our efforts on climate change. That will summarize what the far left's
19: view is about domestic oil production. Climate change, we just saw the UN report this week. It's, it is, this problem is an existential I mean, crisis and, and, and it's getting worse. I, and I don't think and, any, and any of us are nice. that's what the night. tragedy and, is and in and
10: Ukraine?
11: Militarily, right now, at this point in the war, does getting those jets into the hands of the Ukrainian military make sense today, tomorrow, as soon as possible?
2: I think it does.
28: Actually.
11: What are the other diplomatic options? What are the options beyond fighter jets? What are the conversations that might be being had among uh, NATO leaders might be being had with the vice president uh, as she travels to Poland today that look for an off ramp for Vladimir Putin.
7: Chris, I I think we need to talk about the fighter jets a little bit more. I know you want to look look at other options. What what the Pentagon said is nonsense. They said that it's logistically difficult to move about 30 MiGs from Poland to Ukraine. That's absolute nonsense. If you talk to any military experts, the flight from the base in Poland to the base in Ukraine, where we would need to move them, is less than an hour. And the Russian Air Force is not there. It is not risky. The White House does not want to do it. The White House is weak and doesn't have any But That's what this boils down to. So I I think the White House needs to consult some external military experts and get some different views on this. I think it's unconscionable that, that millions of Ukrainians are going to die, innocent children, innocent women who have done nothing wrong and we're standing in the way. So I'm really, really disappointed with the Biden administration. But I I wouldn't expect very much from the, the Harris visit. She's not a foreign policy specialist at all. If you want Putin to stand down, you have to show real strength. That's the only thing that's going to stop this war
20: Such a consequential debate that's going on, and I'm glad you agree. All right, so while there is a lot of understandable anger and frustration over the pain at the pump, there's also a lot of misinformation going around about who or what is responsible. So let's, you know, cut through the clutter first. it's critical to understand that no one person or entity is in control of the price of gas. It's tethered to the price of oil, which is controlled by a variety of factors, including supply from OPEC and non-OPEC countries, demand, trade, the financial markets. Now let's get to some of the false claims that are circulating, including one that oil production here in the United States is somehow down. That's not true. The reality is the US oil production is actually up from 2020 and as you can see here in Trump's first year of office the US was producing 9.3 million barrels of oil per day well now the US is forecasted to produce 12 million barrels per day and the experts say that production is on track to hit a new record next year another claim going around is that the United States is too dependent on foreign oil but in reality the US actually produces much more oil than it imports. Last year, the US produced more than 11 million barrels of crude oil per day, and while importing around just 6 million barrels per day. For the last couple of years, the United States has been the world's top oil producer, topping Saudi Arabia, Russia, Canada, and China. A third claim is that the Keystone Pipeline, that had it been approved, it would help lower prices today The reality here is that's up for debate, but unlikely. The Keystone XL pipeline would have been an extension of a currently operating pipeline. It would have acted as sort of a shortcut, uh, taking oil extracted from the tar sands in Canada all the way to Nebraska. From there, an existing pipeline would transport the oil to refineries along the Gulf Coast, and this would have moved some about, I guess, 830,000 barrels of oil out of Canada every day. And while it wouldn't have just been U.S.-owned oil, proponents of the pipeline argue buying more oil from Canada is preferable to, say, well, today, for instance, Russia. Keep in mind, though, the XL pipeline wasn't expected to be operational until next year at the...
13: I even throw through on there a video from CNN, and they're talking about 2020 oil production. That's what they're talking about. The spin that we don't have a problem but that was Trump it's like showing immigrant stats from 2020 Trump and then you have this and this is all over these are people Daily Beast colonists David Rothkopf, I'm not going to win any points for saying this, but the Biden Admin's international team has been doing exceptional work from the outset. They have restored international standing, strengthening alliance, rejoining multilateral institution, elevated U.S. diplomacy. The list of accomplishments is long. The leadership in this conflict in history and will be studied and emulated for generations but they rejoined the Paris Accord, rejoined the World Health Organization, led the global fight against the pandemic and ended America's longest war. Yes, the courageous decision to get out of Afghanistan was the right decision and while the exit from the country would certainly have been handled better, the net benefit were great, including giving us bandwidth and resource to face key challenges of today. That sentence or paragraph is such a fucking lie. They're starving to death and that's why Putin attacked. Just understand that. That's, that's what's happening. He handed it over to thugs. They're starving to death. And Putin attacked because they know we're not going to do anything. We won't even hand them helicopters because we're scared of Putin. He has a nuke. Big fucking deal he has a nuke. Everybody has a nuke now. They also, in Afghanistan, work exceptionally closely well with the international community and oversaw an extraordinary airlift of more than 120,000 people that we don't know where they are in the country now we don't know we don't we don't have any clue and he goes on i'm i you can lie you can lie and when you lie and lie and lie and lie maybe people will believe the lie but i believe this soundbite i believe it a lot
2: Nothing gives me more hope for the future than seeing my five grandchildren challenge expectations. They see breakthroughs in technology we can't even yet imagine. But the only way they're gonna get a chance to fulfill all that potential is if we take drastic action right now to address the climate disaster facing the nation and our world. More severe storms and droughts, rising sea levels, warming temperatures, shrinking snow cover and ice sheets. It's already happening. And science tells us that how we act or fail to act in the next 12 years will determine the very livability of our planet. Yet today, President Trump denies the evidence in front of his own eyes, hides climate science produced by his own administration, and actively works to roll back what progress we've already made. It's reckless, it's irresponsible, and it is unacceptable. So today, I'm announcing my plan for a clean energy revolution It outlines what we have to do to meet this challenge head on and how we're going to get there. We're going to invest $1.7 trillion in securing our future so that by 2050, the United States will be 100% clean energy economy with net zero emissions. By the end of my first term, we will have an enforcement mechanism in place to make sure we stay on track to get there. No, we're going to make record-breaking investments in research and development zero-carbon technologies, so that America is the engine of the world's clean energy economy, exporting cutting-edge equipment stamped Made in the USA to help other nations reduce emissions and mitigate and adapt. This initiative will create more than 10 million new good-paying jobs all across the clean economy in the United States of America. It's an enormous opportunity will hold polluters accountable for the damage they've caused, particularly in low-income communities and communities of color, not only due to climate change, but the pollution they are pumping into the air that is breathed and the water that is drunk in those communities. You know, we're not going to forget the workers either. The workers who, through dangerous and back-breaking labor, powered our industrial rise, mined and built our arsenal of democracy, and fueled America's prosperity through the 20th century. They've earned our thanks, our respect, and our support. Finally, we have to bring the world along with us. Global action requires American leadership, but the United States only accounts for 15% of global carbon emissions. The rest of the world has to step up as well. So on day one, I will immediately rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. But that's not sufficient. We need to dramatically accelerate our worldwide effort to meet the intensity of the challenge we face. So I'll immediately get to work, leading a diplomatic initiative to get every nation to go beyond their initial commitment, to push our progress further and faster. This is especially true for China, by far the world's largest emitter of carbon. We will not only hold their leaders accountable for reducing carbon output at home in their country, but make sure they stop financing billions of dollars of dirty fossil fuel projects all across Asia. And this will allow us to keep creating good-paying jobs right here at home, even as we raise our own standards. America, once again, will be able to stand proudly on the world stage and challenge every other nation to follow our example and our leadership. For more than three decades, I've led in this issue. I wrote one of the first climate change bills ever introduced in the United States Senate. As Vice President, I oversaw the single largest investment in clean energy in our nation's history over 90 billion dollars. I fought along with President Obama to double the efficiency of our cars, which would reduce our oil consumption by 12 billion barrels, and for a clean power plant that limited carbon emissions from both existing and new power plants. As President, I will lead America and the world, not only to confront the crisis in front of us, but to seize the opportunities it presents. I'll use every authority available to me to drive progress. And I will not accept half measures because making these revolutionary changes is going to take an incredible commitment at all levels. But I am absolutely confident. That's what the American people want to do. And we can meet this challenge because this is what America does best. Solve big problems with big ideas. That's who we are. That's who we've been. We're the United States of America. And there's not a single thing we cannot do. And the world badly needs us to do it.
13: He made that video. He made that video. It basically said what we were going to do. We're going to make sure you take a pinch because you're going to do what the fuck we want you to do. Simple as that. How ideologically fucked up do you have to be to do this? To want to see middle class and poor people destroyed. I mean, it wasn't bad enough that their COVID laws put people out of jobs, destroyed businesses, fucked up kids for generations. Now they're just going to go straight after your gas on some dream that somehow we're going to magically get technology that's going to allow you to drive around an electric car everywhere. As I didn't even play at the Kamala electric buses and trucks that clearly don't work in the cold and clearly don't have the range and clearly would devastate our economy. I just went through, before I do my story. This is a real article. I'm not even making this up. A nuclear war would be terrible. Would ravage. It would wreck climate. It's a whole article. And they're serious. These people are in such a cult that they wrote an article during a war. Yeah, a nuclear war would be bad for climate. It would destroy places. Ever heard of Chernobyl? really i just i don't even understand i've never been so brainwashed on anything and i was in the military well you you're supposed to get brainwashed a little to literally think this crazy on climate and the and the sex stuff But before we close to to touch the the sex stuff one more time, I want to hit those two. These are the Caring Waters. This is them outright lying. While we were doing, you know, Putin's bad, don't think for a second they weren't trying to screw just squeeze out some political mileage because they know they're going to lose because nobody wants their policies once again they're so fragile they're going to have all black people all latino people all gay people most of the women to vote for them because nobody's for their policies nobody really believes it's okay well i am not even put it a sex ed camp for three to five fifth grade three and five in kentucky this is in kentucky where they're going to teach your kids about sex Teacher suspended for misgendering a student and they say he violated her constitutional rights. A trans teacher at Anacort School posted a Facebook how she turns tissue into a sexual thing in her classroom. Extremely creepy. And she was suspended and she was talking about anal sex because she's a he. That The climate... And the gender shit is all part of the redesigning of America. Brainwashing so they'll vote for them. Destroying the family. They want to destroy the family. That's what they're about. If you don't have morals, if you don't have a God, if you don't have any grounding in life with just the golden rule. I'm not even talking religion. Golden rule. They got you. They just got you. And as we've said, we're just rotating bullies, and this is the bully, and that's the bully. But during this whole week, I made a new bumper. Just hate. They, they had to say the GOP is Putin and try to translate that over so you're scared of them, and you'll vote for them. Everything you do, I'd like to swallow
27: you, and every day I'm gonna blame you, and even if you justify every fucking bullshit lie, it only makes me want to break you, you pull
5: Don't ever look my way. Don't even think I'm Let's understand that there are two separate things going on in the GOP. First of all, with people like McGregor and others, y- you have to understand that there are a group of right wing Uh, Republicans who really think of Putin as this kind of white Christian savior of civilization with whom we could make some sort of um, we could link arms and make some sort of common defense against the Islamic world and against the encroachment of, you know, left wing civilization and, you know, the drag queens and the gays and the, you know, vegans and spelling reformers and all the other boogeymen of the American right. That's that's different from the elect the GOP electeds who are drifting back and forth and trying to find some place to land on this issue because they are fundamentally unserious people. They don't care about foreign policy. They don't care about uh, the defense of Europe. They don't care. Uh, really about anything except their own careers. So what you're seeing is a bunch of cranks and crackpots on one side and a bunch of utterly hollow opportunists on the other um, and the Republican Party, as the vessel of any kind of coherent foreign policy, foreign policy ideology, or really is a coherent vessel of any kind of political ideology um, other than a, this kind of general, you know, uh, white resentment that gravitates toward people like Putin um, is really dead. And so, you know, it's not. There is a crack up in the Republican Party, but again, it's kind of kooks on one side and opportunists on the other. And the net result is that Putin really can count on a very divided America uh, and has been able to count on a divided America for the re- kind of reasons Molly was just talking about.
17: Well, I'm scared of what's going to happen in, in Western Europe, too. Yeah. Huh? You know, you just you plan a trip. You want to go there. I want to go to Italy for four years. I haven't been able to make it because of of uh, the pandemic. And now mm-hmm. this, you know, it's, yeah. it's like who's going to what's going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah. Too? yeah. I mean, and, yeah. And, and you know, this guy, he's a singular sensation in a certain way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know that the whole that he has that much support in his country, yeah, like you say, and maybe that has to be addressed because we've seen this movie before. Yeah, yeah but doesn't it scare yeah. you that people on the right in this country are on Putin's side? I mean, I can't <laughs> well, believe I don't it. understand, nothing you know. scare, Nothing
6: no. surprises me anymore ma- What are they
17: making a lot of money over there? Well, it's also, it's it's also this, these lies. There's a parallel yeah. there to the insurrection. People thought right. that they could just yeah. take yeah. the election. And, and I think that's why you see so many people on the right thinking that this is okay. This is yeah. the fall of our democracy yeah. in, in the world. In
9: well the world I remember Helsinki I, it either. I mean you have to go back to Helsinki we were there Christian and I sitting next to each other and it slack-jawed when former President Trump at the time President Trump defended Putin's take on 2016 and disagreed with his own head of national security, which led to the DNI contradicting well, remember, him in and real time.
16: Because I, You're covered over there, oh, no. I
0: covered former President Trump. <laughs> he likes strongmen, remember? And so this is something that we saw consistently throughout sure. his presidency, Danny. Uh,
16: it is. I think President Trump. President Trump's judgment on uh, Russia and on Putin has not been awesome. I think Mike Pompeo mm-hmm. misspoke. I don't think that Mike Pompeo actually. He said it deeply... several times. I he? know, Andrea, but I don't think that's what he believes. It, I, well, I'm not. Ben, I Hang on. First of all, well, there are four an of you and it. one of me. I'm, I'm <laughs> the only Republican sitting here. Hang on a second. We're hey, not Republicans. Let's... We're Democrats. We're journalists.
9: Well, three
16: of us. I'm not a good
26: Yeah. And you you know, there are some through lines here. You know, I look at what's happening uh, in in Ukraine and I see, you know, democracy can be a fragile thing and it feels a bit fragile in America right now. We're seeing, uh, you know, the Republican Party bleed it by a thousand cuts with rampant voter suppression. The Florida uh, Republican controlled state legislature um, just advanced a bill um, that was pushed by the Republican mayor, Ron DeSantis, Florida man, uh, who would create a police force dedicated to pursuing election crimes. This is not a thing. So it's not lost on me that we're in uh, a midterm election year. Russia has previously tried to attack our democracy by sowing discord here uh, in the United States, hacking into some of our democratic uh, systems. What's concerning, though, to me, Congressman, which I want your opinion on, there have been Republican voices who are espousing Russian talking points, who are regurgitating some of the same things Vladimir Putin said. We've seen that on uh, Fox News from folks like Tucker Carlson, and we've even heard it from some uh, elected members of Congress. How would you navigate that as we're watching democracy uh, in peril really all across the globe?
4: Well, we really have to call it out, and we can't forget that under Donald Trump, I mean, if people
24: think that elections don't have consequences and their votes don't matter, imagine, Tiffany, what it would be like right now if Donald Trump... I have to tell you, I, my heart feels full. I'm not sure I'll be able to remove the smile off my face today. I am unbelievably proud in this moment to have witnessed what I just did. Not only did I see the Vice President of the United States on her, um, behind her, but also seeing this profoundly talented, eloquent, well-versed in the law and dignity and humanity to relay why she ought to be exactly where she is today. Hearing her talk about not only her quest and love of the law, having her invoke the late Constance Baker Motley, speak about her own relatives having been incarcerated. Mine have as well in some instances. The idea of the intersectionality we're talking about, about all the different facets of what it takes to be who she is, was just profoundly moving to watch and to see. And not the least of which as a mother, to watch. her speak about her children and about the reverence she has for her mentors throughout the field of law. But most importantly what i think she brings here is the knowledge of don't we want somebody in the supreme court of the united states only nine of them to reflect the people of the united states not just in scholarship although her credentials frankly sounded as if mount olympus decided to choose and give her each of the credentials and gave this great um, almost a legal deity of sorts and yet she disrupted the myth that you had to be but one thing in order to be a Supreme Court Justice. Her background in sentencing commission, her background as a public defender, her background in a trial courtroom, her background as a district court and a DC Circuit Court judge, All of these things tell you that 99.9999% of all the cases the Supreme Court will hear are not just the ones that get in the headlines, but those that profoundly impact the day-to-day in America of everyday people. And to hear about this notion that the Fraternal Order of Police also supporting the notion that this is somebody as a defender, as a proponent of civil rights, as a proponent of fair sentencing and due process. I sincerely hope that she will get the benefit of the very due process that she is attempted to secure for the presumed innocent because certainly after that resume after that speech she ought to be presumed I have to tell you I loved this book so very much Um, the first
17: chapter canceling trash people is not a constitutional crisis Um, (laughs) chapter 9 the taking of black land was another favorite of mine and reverse racism is not a thing I just think it's fantastic let me I live in Florida so I'm like on ground zero of where uh, all of this is happening I'm, I'm out of my mind about the bills banning conversations about race and ethnicity and and LGBTQ uh, just even mentioning gender identity in primary schools but some will say okay so are you arguing for throwing out the Constitution should the Constitution be thrown out what do we do is it a living document is it a or is it a sacred document
28: it's certainly not sacred all right let's start there (laughs) the Constitution is kind of trash (laughs) <laughs> well, let's just, again, let's just talk as adults first. What did you
17: say? It's what? It's, it's kind, kind of trash.
31: Trash.
28: It was, it was written by slavers and colonists and white people who were willing to make deals with slavers and colonists. They didn't ask anybody look looked like me what they thought about the Constitution. Then mm-hmm. They did say, oh, Jim, come over here. What do you think about this old Constitution? Yeah. Well, Massa, I sure so don't like how you... Sell so my children, <laughs> um, but I gotta say, man, this King George—he needs to be stopped. Yeah. My, my grandpappy used to say, "Ain't no taxation without representation from massa." Like that's not what happened. <laughs> okay. Right? This document was written without the consent of Black and Brown people in this country, and without the consent of women in this country. And I say if that, that if that is the starting point, mm-hmm. the very least we can do is ignore what those slavers and colonists and misogynists thought and interpret the Constitution in a way that makes sense for our modern world. That's want the to starting it? line. Do you
31: want to rewrite it? I could,
28: right? <laughs> I, could, I could rewrite parts of it in a tweet, right? Like, how about popular election for, for, for the president? Mm-hmm. Um People vote, not land.
17: That's
18: not even in there, is it? I'm saying, yeah, I'm just, if, just, if I was
27: no, rewriting
28: no, it, no, we, no, no. Was rewriting right, it right, we could right. do it in a tweet, right? Yeah, yeah. You know. um, term limits right. for Supreme Court justices, and right. how about no states' rights when it comes to health care, elections, policing, and guns? Right. right. It's just better. <laughs> that's just that's just better, and you can do that in a tweet. Can't so, the amendments help some of that? Well, here's the problem with the amendment process. Really fast now, I got 20 seconds. The problem with the amendment process is that for in in American history, there have been 115 people allowed to interpret what the amendments mean
13: it's a sickness to equate a war where people are dying every day to voting rights that are just trying to do what americans want voter id not having dropbox not cheating not being able to get your 81 million votes like you did last time that that's not the same thing But when words are violence and words are just disagreeing with their opinion, you can see how they feel this way and how they get so entwined into climate change, gender shit. I mean, these people have a sickness. If the first thing your brain's doing while you're watching people die in Ukraine is figuring out a way to use it against your political adversaries, yeah, wow. And to say the GOP's fucked up because they're talking about gas prices. (laughs) You know what happened if Trump was president right now? We'd be saying somehow, some way that Trump and Putin had a deal to raise gas prices because it's a kickback to Trump. That's what you'd be doing. You know that's true. They're already blaming him for the fucking war. But there is so much hate in that montage, I don't even know how to articulate How wrong all that was. So let's close on something funny. Matt in Oregon sent me a Matt Best video. Really funny. And my boy Noah Gregson won last night. And nobody celebrates like Noah Gregson.
8: I love burnouts. Man. Burnouts are just cool. <laughs> are. He's got the classic old-school donut somewhere in there.
31: For all your yeah, team that's is. the best way to do it.
8: I don't think he knows where he's at either. <laughs> hey, when you lose the car, the driver inside there doesn't know where he's at either, by the way. Oh, there goes <laughs> oh, the truck
6: tire. Who wants a souvenir? <laughs> <laughs> it's a burning rubber over here.
9: <laughs>
27: oh, yeah. Yeah! There you go. Get it down,
9: boys!
19: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, baby. Outstanding. Yeah. And
14: now we're going to climb the yeah. fence. Oh. There's a lot of Man. banking right there. Just uh, <laughs> point that <laughs> out there, guys. There's a... Uh... There's a lot of banking at that point right off of turn
19: four. You talk about dangerous celebrations. Last time we were here, Hemrick does the backflip. Now
6: Gregson climbing the fence. This always makes me nervous. At least Noah <laughs> has his helmet on. How about the rest of his guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
28: Hey, Those guys are pretty high.
8: Yeah, I don't know if I'd do it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I-, I was going to say, if I w- was on a team that... Was able to win a race. I think it would be this one so I could celebrate with him. I <laughs> definitely would be out on climbing the fence.
4: Hey, Jackson, fan hey, the flame. Put him warm your
6: hands. <laughs> it's
8: a burning rubber over here. <laughs> oh, yeah.
18: Yeah. There you go. Get
26: it out, boys.
27: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> stupid rap song again
3: you just really really want to make a rap
2: video
0: don't you
3: Fucking do
27: it before i start rapping i already know that you're a fan i'm about to write a hundred grand to firearms policy coalition because they're awesome hey keep up the good work guys i feel like a budget yellow wolf Send up find everything in this show. the shop yeah, this yeah, cool. yeah. 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 Let's go. All these motherfuckers tryna flex on me, flex on me, flex on me, flex on me, flex on me. But bitch, you should know who the fuck I be. Console, like a rock star with a wallet for the credit cards. Can I help you? Yeah. Feel a Gucci with an Uzi payday, looking for the AK. Need a belt fed? Yeah. need a 50. Yeah. Couple red dots, yeah. another 50. Yeah. And five of your best suppressed in a glee. Cause I'm buying everything in this gun shop. The gun shop. The gun shop. Yeah. Buying everything in this gun shop. The gun shop. The gun shop. Yeah. Buying everything in this gun shop, the gun shop, the gun shop Buying everything in this gun shop, the gun shop, the gun shop, yeah Fifty guns a day I spend stacks, I just can't stop fucking buying all these straps And maybe you just can't relate, I got Red, white, and blue running through my veins oh, my House looks like a motherfucking armory Night vision and ammo in the pantry Guns in the tub, bubble baths with a sub Gassed up with a couple slapper rifles in the truck Tripping ammo, trippin' ammo Everywhere I go i be tripping ammo, trippin ammo, trippin' ammo, trippin' ammo, trippin' ammo All the haters just be jealous All the baiters know they love this All the keyboard warriors in the mama's basement Daddy's coming And all the girls seem to stop eyes locked When they look at my pants and see my giant ass Glock Twenty one. Find everything in this gun shop, the gun shop, the gun shop, yeah. Find everything in this gun shop, in the gun shop, the gun shop, yeah.
13: Video by Matt Best and Noah just burned that shit down, man. It caught it on fire. But for those that are NASCAR fans, he wasn't the first to do it. It was actually Ryan Newman. I found that out last night. I thought he was the first. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with Family Friends. Go to FOPPodcast.com where you'll see links to Rumble and SoundCloud and the latest two tracks. Please disconnect from all your device disconnect from all your devices. Make sure you don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend some time with your family. Enjoy them and cherish them. And know that we're going to make it through this. We just got to be smart. You got to redesign the way you do things. I remember when we were super poor, we literally would go into town because we lived rural. And it was one trip. There was not a lot of going into town a lot. Like when we did, we got rich. And right now, we all have to make tough decisions. I've been on a bad luck. Lightning, septic, COVID, ulcer, possible fucking hiatal hernia. Already had a hernia, but now it's up top and it's pretty obvious. Those are my symptoms. I get seen Thursday. But on top of it, I got death wobble on my Jeep. And that's going to be $4,500. And in the process of looking to go, okay, maybe I do the right thing and just get a new car six-year-old jeep it's got forty-five thousand miles it's a great shape i love it but you know i threw 1200 at it to lower it to so it drive a little better it didn't have wobble but then it really went to shit because the tires were worn out and i haven't replaced them because they cost too much money but there are no cars and i went to every dealer or brand to find electric there are no electric there's no electric and if you do get an electric you can get a Leaf for about 45, but a Tesla's 60, everything else is 60. So I can drive to work and back and hope it doesn't get super cold out cuz I can't charge it at work. There's no charging station. Like I said, I'd go green. If I go to the Grand Canyon, if I could drive somewhere, but I can't. And there are no cars. If I buy a used car, I don't know what's broke on that fucking thing, because they're gonna duct tape and cover it up. And I'm gonna get stuck with another fucking piece of shit. So anyway you look at it, we ought to make bad decisions right now. Financial decisions we wouldn't do because things are super tight. And my dreams of quitting by fall are just totally off the board. Did my taxes only gonna get fifteen hundred bucks back. That takes care of the tires. With the toe rod, uh, tie rods, and ball joints, and possible brake pads, brake calipers. I don't cover that. And I could go out every day and say, fuck Joe Biden, which I kind of do. But just where we're at right now, we elected stupid people, and stupid people do stupid shit because you can't fix fucking stupid. And we just got to weather it. I've noticed a lot of people want to take it out on their fellow man. I had a guy call yesterday. We shipped something wrong. Don't even know if it was us. He thinks it's us. And he's just yelling at me on the phone because somebody sent him the wrong pants. Like the world is going to fucking end over his pants. And I calmed him down and said, I'll send you a pair. It's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. he never apologized. People are angry. When people are angry, they get violent. When violent breaks out, we all get a fucking bite of the shit sandwich. I carry everywhere I go now. I can't fight. If somebody hits me in the stomach, I'm going to ball up like a pussy. It's a shit sandwich. But a mean-tweeting guy scared a bunch of people to vote for an incompetent guy who literally has no foreign policy. He's leading from behind, letting Europe do their thing, carve outs. We haven't put sanctions. It's a fucking mess. And all he wants to do is bow to the extremists in his administration. This would be like a president totally bowing to the religious right and saying everybody has to go to church and go back to Handmaid's Tale which has never been a thing, but we're watching the left version of The Handmade Tale live on TV every day, telling you it's your fault you can't afford gas, telling you to get a green car you can't buy nor can afford, telling you it's not their fault, that their policies have nothing to do with everything that's broken in the world. But it's all them. They made this bed. And all I can hope is that Americans will go to the ballot box This November, write in Mickey Mouse, but don't elect these motherfuckers. And then in 2024, we elect an adult, somebody, because this isn't working. And the world knows it. Thus, overflights in Taiwan by China and Russia going, I'm going to take what I want, because you're not going to do anything to stop me. And the sad thing is, Putin's right. We're not. So be kind to each other. It's not some asshole's fault that cuts you off, that you can't afford shit. It's the idiots we elected, Republicans included. So, Until the next show, which will be Thursday, hopefully. I have a doctor's appointment. As long as I don't take all day, I'm going to do one Thursday. Y'all be careful out there.